You are listening to Painting Pictures with Gabriel Roberts. It's like a pajama party, except without the pillow fights. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Painting Pictures podcast. I'm Gabriel Roberts, and today I'm going to share a, a brief podcast with you. The meat of the podcast is a recording on my phone from April, in which I tell a story to an audience at the uh, Blue Sage Center for the Arts a little intimate gathering downstairs. This is um, the first in a series of storytelling events. There has already been a second. Um, you don't really, I mean, if you're, you don't really need to know that. But I am going to share this with you. I'm very pleased that I'm able to now copy voice memos off of my phone. It seems to require generally an internet connection. That's the part that bothers me. But let's not get hung up on that. I'm going to launch you straight into this story. It's um, my experience with spring fever. So um, let us now welcome Gabe to the stage uh, as spring fever. Thank you, Brian. I grew up in Sacramento. California, which <laughs> is a place that doesn't experience the type of spring fever uh, anywhere that has, what's it called, uh, winter experiences. <laughs> because in Sacramento, we have more of a gradual change in temperature, a slight increase in precipitation. We never get snowed in. You never get the type of winter that makes you feel cooped up. Um, but there's a different type of spring fever, and this is felt by any child enrolled in any institution of education, public or private. And this rolls around in May when you've been in school for nine months and you're ready to get out. And one morning in the year of 2000, I was a freshman at Miraloma High School, and a couple friends and myself decided to, to bust out of school. I want to give a little backstory about me as a freshman. Um, I was in the fourth year of my quest to become cool. And this began in sixth grade when, after being homeschooled for my uh, elementary years, I entered a, a public school. And I immediately discovered that I was hopelessly out of touch with what it meant to be cool. I wore my shirts tucked in, and I raised my hand to any question that I knew the answer to immediately. And by the time I reached freshman year, I had learned to wear my shirt untucked, 
and I learned that it wasn't really that cool to answer every question. In fact, it was cooler to be a little bit disrespectful. And so I did things like I would sit in the back of class and without moving my face, I would make this noise. I would go... <laughs> Just softly in the background, sort of imperceptibly. And then finally the teacher would notice, what is that noise? And I, of course, wouldn't fess up. So things like that. I, um, the traditional avenues to being cool, or the many avenues to being cool, I felt were unavailable to me. Being cool was like Luke Schuring. He was the captain of the soccer team. He was a senior. He had blonde hair. He had blue eyes. He was about six foot tall. And one time he called me Little Roberts because my sister, Lucy Roberts, had been a classmate of his. And when I told him that, he called me Little Roberts. And my heart swelled with pride at those words. And I wanted to be just like Luke, but unfortunately I, I wasn't. Um, being cool was being tall, and I was about five foot tall. Being cool was being nonchalant and casual, which is something to this day I still struggle with, which is like keeping my true feelings reserved and not laughing at everybody's jokes, that sort of thing I, I, I never could pull off. Um, being cool was dancing with girls at the dances. I once saw Luke Schering dance with two girls at the same time at a dance. <laughs> this was also beyond my reach. But fortunately there was another avenue to being cool, and this was to be bad, to break the rules. Despite the fact that I was naturally a goody-goody and eager to please and honest, I devoted myself wholeheartedly to what I saw as my only avenue towards being cool. And so I broke the rules in any chance that I got. I did the thing in the back of the class, and come this one spring day, I agreed to bust out with a couple of friends. Now this is a closed campus at Miraloma High School. You're not allowed to leave. And the perimeter is patrolled by Nikki, who we called the Troll Patrol, because <laughs> She was rather short and wide, and she had this huge shock of gray, curly hair that busted out from beneath her various multicolored visors that she wore. And just, we tormented this poor woman, and looking back, she was always so kind to us. She was just doing her job. She always had a smile on her face. But on that morning, we crept to the corner of campus, and we looked both ways. Nikki was nowhere to be found, and so we, we cut. We ha started heading up the street. We walked slowly at first, um, trying not to run and attract too much attention, looking over our shoulders. But past the baseball diamond, we finally reached the first turn, and we made that left, and we started running as fast as we could. We were running and giggling and running and giggling and laughing until we finally slowed down, out of breath. We felt wonderful having broken free. We realized, though, that we didn't have a plan. We didn't have any cigarettes to smoke. None of us even smoked cigarettes. We didn't have any beer to drink. None of us drank beer even. We didn't even have somebody's house nearby to go and raid the fridge and play video games. So we made our way to the nearest business within the radius of the school, which was called Mission Wine and Liquors. It's a convenience store because that was something. And we went inside the convenience store. We wandered around. And again, if any of us had had a fake ID or looked anywhere near 18, maybe we would have tried to buy cigarettes. But we settled on Red Bull energy drink, which is the closest thing to a banned substance that you can get your hands on at that age. So we bought three Red Bulls. 
and we stood out in front of the parking lot of Mission Wine and Liquors, and we drank our Red Bulls. Not that we needed any more energy or excitement. And, um, and we looked across the street, this huge church, this Mormon church that just gotten built. that had this massive spire going up to the sky. And we drank our Red Bulls, and uh, someone came up with the idea of going to Winston Churchill Middle School, which was just a couple blocks away. This is the very place that the three of us had graduated from approximately one year prior. <laughs> because it offered another border to cross and another set of rules to be broken, we decided this was the best we had. So we went back to school, just to a different school. We made our way in unnoticed, past the giant oak tree in front of school, and the classes had, were just changing. And so students were milling around with backpacks on, and the three of us were walking like kings, because to us, the eighth graders were not but seventh graders, and the seventh graders were nothing but sixth graders. So we were the kings of this little land, and we walked with no backpacks on, casual air of nonchalance of those that are on their own business, doing whatever they please. We made our way to the corner of campus near the soccer field, and I guess one of us saw somebody that we remembered and struck up a conversation. And pretty soon, just because we were projecting this, this energy of, of novelty, we attracted a little audience. There was like this little ring of students that were around us. <laughs> no one asked us what we were doing there. That didn't seem important. We had no, the fact that we had no plans, we had no business there, there was no prank that we were playing. Just the fact that we were high schoolers who had come there was enough to, to draw great attention and acclaim. And I basked in the glow of this adoration from the 7th and 8th graders. I felt as cool as I had ever felt. I don't remember what we talked about, but... I do remember that there was a girl to my right, and she had blonde hair, and I remember she turned to me, and she put a lock of hair back behind her ear, and she said, this is going to sound weird, but would you be my boyfriend? <laughs> I looked at her, and I said, no! And I walked away to my friends as quickly as I could. Unfortunately, the bell rang, so we were saved, and we were making our way out of there. I never had to make eye contact with that girl again. We ran out into the street past the oak tree. We made our way back towards school. I told my friends about this silly little seventh grader that had asked me out. How funny that was. And we made our way back to Mariloma, and we slipped in again without being noticed. We proceeded to tell our grand tale up and down to anybody that would listen for the rest of the afternoon. And I was always sure to slip in the bit about this girl, silly little seventh grader that had asked me out. And I told the story as if I'd been asked out before, which I hadn't, or as if I had some other options, which I didn't, <laughs> or as if I wasn't horribly desperate for female attention which I was. <laughs> but after the first day and we told the story and the thrill of the adventure had worn off, I began to regret my decision. I began to think about this girl and I considered going back to campus and trying to find her and asking her for another chance. But I never did and I wondered, was this my chance at love? You know, sure it would have been easy 
Neither of us could drive. <laughs> we went to different schools, so it would have been a long-distance relationship. But what relationships don't have obstacles? You know, what have I done giving up on this opportunity? I never saw the girl again. I always regretted it. And looking back on it now, I wonder why I so desperately ran from this little girl. And what I realized is that she saw me very clearly for who I was. And she saw that this air of nonchalance and cool guy attitude was nothing but a mask. And she saw right through it. And she saw that I was tender-hearted and kind and scared and lonely. And she saw who I really was. But I didn't want to be who I really was because who I really was was not cool. And so I ran away from her as fast as I could because I didn't want to be found out. Thank you. Here I am. This podcast is almost finished. I just have to record this tiny little... I don't even know what it is. That's a problem, as I have two pieces of audio here. And here I am diving in, trying to create this bridge between them. And I don't want it to be too long, but I don't want it to be too short. Okay, I want to acknowledge that was me telling a story (laughs) back in April. And um, the evening proceeded with many other wonderful stories. I have those recorded, so you might wonder why you don't get to listen to those. Well, I just decided that um, I'd rather, I'm going to be listening to this podcast, and I'd rather just listen to my story. I'm going to lead you in now to another story. This came from tonight, um, July 23rd, 2015. And it also is about me. I just broke a glass out back on the deck. To clarify, when I say deck, I mean the the back deck. I, I do mean the back deck. I'm not going to tell you that I, I'm not talking about the back deck. But I want to make sure you know that the deck is not elevated. So if that was your concept, when I said deck, if you thought like a raised platform made out of wood, it's not that. Just imagine that on the ground. That's my deck. So I dropped a glass. Well, I didn't actually drop it. I don't think you would say that. Uh, It fell. (laughs) The glass fell. That's actually how the Spanish would say it. Se me cayó el vaso. The glass dropped on me. <laughs> Which is really nice. A constant strategy of displacing blame. Fending it off, passing it on to an inanimate object. Which nobody has any trouble blaming. So I'm going to try to do the same thing. and But actually do that. Because as soon as I dropped the glass, I thought, well... There you go, Gabe. (laughs) That's what you get. When you smoke weed, you drop things. 
And I was like, hold on, Charlie. Maybe I don't need to go into that. I've dropped things when I'm not high. <laughs> so just because I dropped something when I was high doesn't mean I dropped it because I was high. And the Spanish have that very clearly figured out. It would never be, never be a question. Never it'd be a non-issue. It would be a non-issue. What's the worst? What's the worst that could happen? This podcast turns out terrible, and you uh, resent me for making it. <laughs> And you never listen to another podcast again. And you, on top of that, don't even want to see me ever again. Because it will remind you of this terrible, awful podcast that you had to sit through. Thanks, everybody. That was the Painting Pictures podcast. The website for the podcast is GabeRobertsArt.com. And the email, if you have any questions, is GabeRobertsArt at gmail.com. I want to briefly say thanks to Susan Ellinger for the lovely piano music by Joseph Haydn. Until next time, my sweet darlings, adios.